You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. A few verses in chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy uh, city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, this passage of Scripture is one of the most important prophetic Scriptures in the Bible. Uh, as far as an outline, it, it begins with uh, Daniel in uh, captivity and takes in the history until the uh, judgment upon the beast and upon the false prophet and if there, uh, and the king of the north if he is different uh, from uh, the beast. He, and he and it's possible that there are three great workers in the end time. But uh, now this passage, uh, seventy weeks. In the Hebrew, it's seventy heptads, seventy sevens. It could be seventy sevens of anything. It could be seventy uh, uh, days, seventy years, seventy millenniums, as far as the words is concerned. So it takes a context to determine whether it's a, a day of 24 hours or if it's a, a week of months or a week of years or a week uh, uh, of weeks. Now, you see, the Jews had uh, a seven years uh, a calendar, uh, a seven-year uh, calendar based on uh, their jubilee. That's what came up to the Every seven years, they let the land rest. Uh, so, if you say this is uh, to find out uh, which is the proper uh, term, whether it be days, 70 days, weeks of days, ordinary days, or whether it's uh, 70 weeks of uh, days or months or years, well, you just apply it to the context, to what it, it said. It tells us here that from tells the time when this period begins from the commandment, see, in verse 25, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks. All right, seven weeks and 32 weeks. That's, uh, uh, so that makes uh, 49 uh, uh, 49 weeks 62 weeks and 7 weeks you see uh, is 49 weeks now then 49 weeks must transpire uh, at the coming or at the ministry or at the time of the Messiah not his death but sometime either at his birth public ministry or his uh, entry into Jerusalem 
or to some event in his life. Because it says, unto, see, the Messiah shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. So you add the sixty-two and the seven together, and you make sixty-nine weeks, or four hundred and eighty-three days. Well, that wouldn't work because it was over four hundred years, don't you see? All right, if you make it uh, uh, months, well, that wouldn't work for the same basis. So, uh, if you make it 70 weeks of 70 years, see, 70 weeks of years, one week equal seven years. Seven times 70 is 490. So, if you date 490 years, start adding. Uh, from uh, the time the commandment went forth to build and restore Jerusalem. Uh, and I pointed out that there were four decrees, four commandments to uh, from uh, uh, the king, from Cyrus, Darius, and Xerxes. All right, uh, Cyrus gave his decree, first decree, in 536. All right. If you take the you take 536 BC, 536 years before Christ, plus the 32 years of Christ, his ministry, don't you see? Well, uh, you'd have too many years. It's 490 something. See the 490 days, or it's 497 day weeks. Okay, uh, a week of days, or it's a week of years. So. Uh, uh, that that starting period is not right regardless of where you place it, see? Because you haven't got the 490 years for this to take place in. And, uh, all right, then the decree of Darius was simply a verification and a confirmation of the decree of Artaxerxes. Well, he gave two at uh, two times. Well, uh, uh, that is Xerxes, uh, seventh year and the twentieth year. Well, according to Nehemiah, the second chapter, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, which was, uh, and can be proven by history just as easy as you can prove when uh, Abraham Lincoln was elected president, which was 445 B.C., well, then you take 445 plus 32 years, you see, and then take the days of the month, and then the difference because the days, uh, the biblical month, and the biblical uh, 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 biblical month was three, uh, 30 days. A year was 360 days. So when you uh, manipulate uh, the, uh, the days and add them up, uh, from the calendar, well, regardless of whether man uh, believes this prophecy or not, he gets he gets within uh, one man wrote a book, The Common Prince, by uh, Sir uh, what was his name, Lord uh, Anderson. Uh, yeah, uh, he he wrote a a book and uh, uh, proved that it was that if you take Jesus. This point here, unto the Messiah, which is his entry into Jerusalem, he's got it to the day. And as far as I know, uh, there have been books challenged 
scientists and uh, other uh, religious uh, students of chronology to, uh, to challenge his where he's wrong. And so far, I, I've uh, never heard of it being proved wrong. I've heard it questioned uh, a time or two and think that there might be a mistake. But regardless of their position, they'll admit that uh, this man has calculated it uh, to within um, uh, less than a month of the time that uh, of the time of Christ's ministry. See, and most of them will admit that it's to the day. Uh, Dr. Criswell, uh, First Baptist Dallas, uh, he admits that. Uh, I mean, he's had uh, he hired men, uh, mathematicians, and and uh, astronomers, and so on that deal in this type of business uh, to make a study of that. And uh, they they didn't find uh, the comment the book the work in the common prints. Uh, they couldn't find any flaw in it. And other uh, men, before they accepted it, had uh, uh, had people to make a thorough study uh, on on the days. So, regardless, uh, without getting into the technicalities of it, uh, we know that uh, 445 plus 32 gets us pretty close to 483. See, it's got to be 483 years if it's to the day, to the day. And that gives you 476. So you're you're within uh, just a, a less than a half dozen years of, of that period. So it's close enough so that a man wouldn't know exactly the day that it occurred, and yet it's close enough to to know that Daniel was knew what he was talking about. That is the vision that and that God gave Daniel, uh, and that's one of the reasons. Uh, why the uh, the people uh, the uh, the critics want to do away with this with Daniel as a prophecy because it's too it's too accurate. Well, then it says uh, <clears throat> uh, during this period of time now the uh, the walls uh, the temple Jerusalem would be built. And it would be 400 years. Yeah, uh, well, during these 62 periods. Well, but we find out, you see, that it was seven weeks. Now, notice he, he breaks these 70 weeks into a period of seven, 62, and one. And that totals to 70. So, uh, the, uh, we know that the, uh, the temple was built, it took 49 years to build the temple. See? Uh, so that's the seven. That's the first uh, seven weeks. Seven times seven is forty-nine. So uh, that's when the temple was rebuilt, the walls had rebuilt. Nehemiah, Nehemiah never had been in Jerusalem. As, uh, he was born in in Babylon, and word came to him. His brothers came down there and told him. He said, uh, "The city is in 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 shambles." And well, he got permission then to go up to see about it. And he stayed up there. And that night, you know, he took a midnight ride to Paul Revere, and he went all the way around that thing, and he and he viewed the temple. Well, so he built the walls, and of course there was a lot of trouble, but it was in troublous times. See, uh, now here, uh, now that's prophecy. Now it says, and after three score and two weeks. 
See, that is after the three score and two weeks plus the seven weeks. The seven weeks had expired first. And then after the 32, see, uh, 62, uh, which was after 69 weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off. Now, he wasn't cut off in the 69th week. See, it expired unto the Messiah was the, was the terminal point of the 69 weeks unto the Messiah. See, whatever day, whether that was a triumphal entry, and apparently that's correct, see, or it is baptism as some say, uh, regardless of which, see, you're within uh, months of the same termination point. All right? Uh, Now, but after the 69th week, shall the Messiah be cut off and have nothing? Uh, that is, have no kingdom. He'd have no... Uh, see, he's been talking about this man, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Medes and Persians, and the Grecians, Alexander, that uh, these had kingdoms, and then this one uh, took the kingdom from that man, and so on. But when... but now, And, they, and he tells us that when they waxed great, why, well, then they were cut out, see. All right, now then here you have the cutting off of, of Jesus, the Messiah. But he didn't have any kingdom. See, he, he didn't, he didn't uh, crush the Roman kingdom. It didn't come, become subject to it. All right, then. Uh, now this shows you now that we're in a period here. After the 69th. But now, uh, to show you that the 70th week... Uh, hadn't started. Now this is a pivotal point. And this is where uh, all millennials will make fun of you studying the Bible like we're studying here now. But now notice, it says, after 69 weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. And then what will happen? The people of the prince that shall come uh, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now when was that done? 38 years after Jesus was crucified. At the Romans, you're talking about? Yeah. See, now this is the Romans, the people now. It didn't say the prince destroyed the not city. Not for himself, that means for others. He, he, that one, you know, he, well, oh, not, now that's talking about Christ, apparently. The Messiah shall be cut off and not for himself. That is, he had nothing for himself. Uh, the, uh, the Hebrew says, and shall have nothing. Uh, but now, if you want to take this evangelically, uh, he was crucified, not for himself, but for others. See, just like Caiaphas prophesied. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong making an application of that because that's biblical truth. But the point is, I don't think that that's the main, that that's the interpretation here. Because... Uh, he had no kingdom. He's talking about this thing. Is talking about kingdom all the way through here. We've been talking uh, uh, the the dreams, the visions, and uh, the history has been the establishing of a kingdom, the destroying of a kingdom. It's ter- uh, terminating, and then the origination of another kingdom, and so on. See, from the Babylonians to the Medes and Persians to the Grecians to the Romans, and then in the days of. Uh, the feet of that fourth uh, image, you see. And the fourth, uh, there was ten kings. Now, it was in that period when the stone smote, see, and became uh, crushed the image. 
Well, now that image was political power. That image was civilization. Was world rule, you see, in all of its, uh, but under different uh, nation, uh, different nations and rulers. Now, to show that the one week hadn't started, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed 38 years after Jesus died. So, uh, uh, and and he this distinctly points out his crucifixion. So the weeks did not run consecutively. See? One follow each other just in uh, uh, mathematical order. Why? Because you've only got one week, which is seven years. This had to be done in seven years. Or he's talking about something that's not in the realm of this prophecy. So, uh, 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 the, the first thing that occurred was after the 69 weeks now was the crucifixion. 38 years later, the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, what's the next thing? Uh, then, uh, where, uh, the expression here, and the end thereof. Now, that appears in the King James translation you'd say that that was the end of the temple, end of the sanctuary in the city. But now, uh, the Hebrew uh, scholars tell us that that could be his end. See, the next thing, the next event, after the destruction of Jerusalem, it says, and his end uh, was with a flood. Talking about these prints. Now notice, uh, and the see, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And his the prince in thereof shall be with a flood. All right, that'll be the with the destruction when the Lord Jesus comes, and uh, and the consignment of the two beasts of Revelation 13 into the lake of fire. See, that's the Antichrist. That's this prince that shall come. That's the seven, That's this little horn that we notice in the seventh chapter. Uh, so, uh, so when it says his end shall be with a flood, that, that's a sign of judgment, supernatural judgment. Uh, that's, a, that's God uh, intervening in history, in the affairs of this world, just like he intervened for the flood. Just like he intervened in Sodom and Gomorrah, see, divine act. Just, uh, so, and and unto the end, wars, desolations are continued to the end. All right, now, see when the Antichrist and the, uh, and the false prophet, when they are cast into the lake of fire, that does not end things. According to Revelation, that's when. Uh, that's uh, the that just uh, makes it ready then for uh, the angel to bind Satan, and Satan then is bound and put in the bottom of his pit immediately, according to uh, the sequence in Revelation. After the two beasts are cast into the lake of fire, he's put into the bottomless pit and bound for a thousand years. Then he sees thrones. 
and people, they sat upon them. And then he saw those that were martyred, beheaded. They lived. Who? The ones that sat upon the throne. And the ones that were martyred. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But until the very end, see, there was uh, desolations, there was wars and uh, struggles, and even after the millennium, Satan's loose for a little season. And then he seeks to uh, destroy uh, uh, the people of God. And then it's when he's cast into the lake of fire where the false prophet and the beast, see, where both of them are, were already. But he's not put with them until after the thousand years. The two beasts are put in there before the thousand years begin, before the millennium. So, uh, now, notice verse 27. And he, the prince that shall come, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, you see, that. this shows that now then he's, uh, the week's beginning now. This shows you when the 70th week began. When he, the prince that shall come, uh, shall confirm the covenant with many. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Now that shows us that at the beginning of this 70th week, whenever it is, if it's already been past history, well then the man did so by making a covenant with the Jews. And then in the middle of the week, after three and a half years, he broke the covenant and then, uh, according to the rest of the verse, you have abominations and desolations, even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolator. In other words, the judgment show, shows that the war from there on out. Now then, uh, that's the. Uh, this is the uh, what is known as the tribulation period. The the end time, the times of the end. See, now when he makes a covenant, with, now what this man is going to do, he's going to satisfy the Jews. That's something that uh, nobody's been able to do yet. See. He's going to be able to pacify the whole earth. They're all going to look for him because he's going to have power. You see, and he's going to promise everything in the world and he'll, uh, and, and there'll be, uh, there'll be peace and prosperity for a while. And uh, everybody thinks that the, the, the real Messiah has come. But then at the end of the three and a half year period, well, he breaks his covenant, and then according to, uh, uh, in, then in, take up the Lord's words in Matthew 24. Uh, when you see the abomination of desolation, see, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Are we going to read about that in just a minute? And uh, now, Jesus referred to Daniel. Look back to this prophecy, uh, the prophecy of Daniel, and he, he points out this period of abomination, desolation. What is it? It's, the, it's some man going into the temple, see, 
and bringing in an idol. Abomination in the Bible is a worship of idols, idol worship. And uh, we'll uh, uh, look on that in a, in a moment. Is that in future now? You tell about that right there. Yeah, about this. About to break into the temple again. Well, yes. Now that, uh, but it has been done in the past. Yeah, but you say it. But now I'm saying that Jesus looked back to the history. See, to where it had uh, actually occurred, and used that as an illustration, as a type. See, as a figure of the what is going to be in the future. Well, did you say that? That don't necessarily demand that the, that the temple be built again as we... No. Jesus wants that noise and be their main worship place. That's right. It'll be it'll be religion, It'll be the place of worship everywhere. See? But everybody's not going to go to uh, Jerusalem to worship. Because the world's going to be just like it is. It's not going to lose any of its characteristics as far as its size. Now, there'll be, there's going to be some... Uh, there'll be some changes, improvements, certainly. But uh, as, as far as the earth is concerned, it's here until the end of the millennium. So just going in here and uh, doing this, what you're talking about, uh, is that more or less yeah. used now? No. Now, this man right here, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Yeah. Now, that's a prophecy of the end time. That's the Antichrist. That's what he will do. Uh, that's what the beast of Revelation 13 is going to do just before Jesus comes back. Now, that'll, that'll take place three and a half years before Christ returns. But now, all right, uh, but now I'm going to show you that, I mean, if we get that far tonight, uh, we'll uh, come across uh, another statement about that, which uh, the one that... Uh, that uh, uh, the Lord is referring to. Uh, uh, now, in the third year, well, let's add just a minute. Yeah, all right. 10, okay. okay. <clears throat> Daniel chapter ten. Uh, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, <clears throat> that introduces the time of this vision in the third year of Cyrus. Now, <clears throat> apparently, Daniel was not employed in the royal uh, service of the Persian at this time. Uh, according to uh, the first chapter, Daniel continued on to the first year of Cyrus, see. Uh, now this is the third year of Cyrus. Well, in the first year of Cyrus, uh, that's when uh, Cyrus said that God, the God of heaven, Israel's God, had commanded him to build a house, you see, for the Jews. And that's when he gave the order for the Jews to return. But they didn't, they didn't many go. They really didn't have hardly enough to uh, to build a temple uh, and and make all of the necessary improvements. Well, they got down there in Babylon and, and Nebuchadnezzar and, and those fellows was good to those Jews and they got to uh, uh, dealing and wheeling and 
and they made money off of them Babylonians. And they had it pretty good, and they said, well, that's all right, we'll just stay here. And Ezra got a group, got some that went back. And then finally they went back under Nehemiah, see, so some went up with him. So it took three, uh, three different leaders to lead the Jews out, and they still didn't lead near all of them out of battle. Because the Persians were good to their captives, uh, especially Cyrus. All right, so uh, it appears that uh, Daniel had retired, and in his retirement, uh, he uh, had this vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate as fasting. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, if man's got anything to say against Daniel, he can say it because he didn't take a bath. There he was. He said he didn't, didn't bathe for three whole weeks. He didn't eat bread, and he didn't eat uh, any flesh coming in his mouth, nor wine. In the four and twentieth days now, now you see this is three more days, and for 21 days now, he, uh, he fasted. But on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hiddekel, or Tigris, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, and now he's going to proceed to make seven statements about this certain man. And uh, I believe this certain man, uh, to begin with, is the Lord Jesus. as a theophany. Uh, but now notice how he's described. His, uh, first, his loins were girded with fine gold. Second, his body also was like the barrel. His face as the appearance of lightning, his eyes lamps of fire, his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. They took to the woods. And brother, when uh, uh, a lot of these, this is fulfilled, there's going to be people taken to the woods. You know, Jesus warned that that day not to be uh, overtake you, you know, and let us not be ashamed at his appearing. Even after this is over and the Lord uh, returns, well, there's going to be people shamed at his peer. And, 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 and they're going to be scared. A lot of them will be frightened. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision. And there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Now all of those elements there is to show his humility, show his nothingness. His unworthiness to even to behold such a vision. You see, now that's the same 
uh, 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 Jesus uh, is seen now before he was ever born. John, in the first chapter of Revelation, looks back in his vision and sees Jesus after he had sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, and he sees and describes Jesus in terms very similar to this, to this vision. There are many likenesses. Uh, yet, verse 9, yet, I, yet heard I the voice of his words. That's the Lord's, Jesus. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me. Now, uh, now it's important to notice this. Uh, now, is it his hand? Or could this be another person, an, an angelic being, hand that touched him now? Uh, in uh, a few verses, there's uh, three or four verses in the rest of the chapter will depend upon who you say this is, what conclusion you reach. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me uh, set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, now the one that touched him, or the vision of the man, I have to keep this in mind. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now, in verse 6, the voice of the words of Christ was as the voice of a multitude. Now, in verse 10, a hand touched it. Didn't say his hand, but it says a hand. It may be his hand, but it says a hand touched me. And uh, <clears throat> and he said unto me, the one that touched him, I think, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. All right, uh, you might, uh, now there's a, a good preaching verse there uh, about a man greatly beloved. Talking about Daniel, in other words, it's a summary. Why was he beloved of God? Uh, according to the book of Daniel, uh, in the first place, he, he, he was a man of, uh, of loyalty. Only a young man, without apparently his parental guidance of his father and mother he was taken captive along with three other boys young but stood true to his training to his teaching to his raising and he and he came out of a nation that had wasn't doing a thing in the world but worshiping idols yet Josiah uh, under whom in uh, whose reign probably possibly Daniel was born but he was just an infant. Josiah was the last king uh, of Judah. 
that even thought about God. He uh, destroyed the idols, you know. Uh, Josiah did. He, he, uh, wherever they were, he looked, he went gunning for them. Alright? So, uh, uh, Daniel was, uh, uh faithful to him. Alright? Uh, uh, in his youth, you know. Uh, and then when you hear evangelicals, uh, today, uh, preach, and most of these that, uh, get on the, uh, bandwagon, uh, they like to tell what they were and what they had been, take their previous life, and they capitalize on their sins, uh, their dope habit, or uh, their uh, manner of living, uh, before they became a child of God, see, and started preaching. And, and that is a bunch of drawing crowd for people to hear them relate that, as it is to tell the story of the gospel story, you see. Alright? Well, now Daniel would have been deprived of being a man like that. He, he wouldn't have fit in that class. From a youth, he's like Timothy. From a youth up, he had known the Holy Scripture, see. He, he was, uh, he was very, uh, I mean, he didn't, had no, uh, big, uh, story to tell that was sensational. He didn't capitalize on that. Uh, but he was, he was faithful, he was humble, see. Uh, why, when he interpreted the dream, when God gave him the dream, why, he, he said, uh, he gave all the credit to God. He said, uh, I, I don't know. Give me time. Yeah, he, he promised him he would. But he didn't know the answer. But he believed God, see. And uh, when uh, uh, the kings, when Nebuchadnezzar said, Whoa, here, take this. I'll give you the... Uh, I'll put a, a gold chain about your neck, you know, and I'll give you all the uh, scarlet uh, robe and, and give you a place of honor. Why, he told old Belshazzar, he said, you take that and and and, and relish in it because, brother, tonight you're in. See? He didn't care about it. He says, keep it. And, um, and then up here in verse 8 where he said, he, he was nothing but corruption in the sight of God, see. So it shows uh, his humbleness. Then he, he, he was faithful. He was faithful to Nebuchadnezzar. He was faithful to Darius and Belshazzar. Why, uh, now, uh, when, when Nebuchadnezzar asked him, he said, give me the meeting. Well, when he found out what the meaning of those dreams were, why, now, if Nebuchadnezzar wanted to, he said, now, what are you, you going to tell me I'm going to eat straw? You going to tell him, step down and tell me that my, somebody's going to take my kingdom away from me? And man, he could just, with one, one statement, have his head taken off, see? But he was faithful. He, uh, he was faithful to Nebuchadnezzar because he asked him what he wanted. He was faithful at the, at the danger of losing his head. See? And then, at the same time, he was faithful to God. He uh, purposed uh, not to take any uh, of the wine and uh, the meat that had been offered to sacrificial animals and so on. See? And then uh, the book of Daniel reveals that he was a man of prayer. You know, how he prayed in the beginning of this chapter, why he prayed for 21 days. And then he continued three days more. And then he, he sees this vision and and in a few minutes, why well, it'll will come. You, you see the end. But now he says, 
Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. See, that was the twenty-one days he had prayed, but he didn't get no answer. He continued to fast. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now that's the reason why I believe this verse, from what, uh, what this one that touched him, and the one that told him, he said, Now, now your prayer was heard the very first day. Well, he kept on praying for 21 days. Yet God answered him the first day and sent this angelic being to give Daniel the answer, to let him know that he'd heard. But he run into some more angels, the wicked angels, the angels of Persia. And they withstood him. Now, if you say that, that this same image up in verses uh, uh, 6, verse 5 and 6, it, which is a description of Jesus, and I believe it is, all right, then if you keep Jesus being the same actor all the way to verse 13, then you've got Jesus handicapped by evil angels, hindered. Uh, and there are people that say that the will of God can be uh, hindered, can be thwarted, can be set aside. That's preached today. Well, I don't believe, uh, and uh, uh, now God's purposes, now it's possible that in God's purposes that there was a delay, and, and I'm sure of that, that the delay was necessary and was for a purpose. But, I don't believe the words are appropriate to be said about a person who's described after the manner of verse 5 and 6. And that's the reason why uh, you have, when you read it, it says an hand or a hand, see. Not his hand, but a hand touched me. And then this is one now that has come that God sent to give him uh, the answer to his prayer. Now I am come, and this verse, verse 14, tells you what Daniel was praying for, the subject matter of his prayer. I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Uh, now, back to verse 12. He says, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. See? Uh, in other words, he's, and now in verse 14, he says, I am come to make thee understand. And I believe it's, you could add, for thy words, understand your words. Uh, why? Because they were in reference to thy people. See? Uh, what shall befall thy people in the latter days? 
Well, now, he knows what's happening to him now. He's in the third year of Cyrus. Two years ago, Cyrus uh, said you can go back, provided him with money, provided him with uh, transportation, provided every, uh, everything they needed to make the journey in all of the three journeys under Zerubbabel and under Ezra and under Nehemiah. He made even commanded the provincial kings, uh, his uh, uh, governors, to see to it that they got safe passage and nobody bothered them and provided them with money and, and things to eat. And yet now here's Daniel, two years after that, he has this dream, this vision, and he wants to know what's going to happen to my people in the future. See? That vision uh, that he had that's recorded in the ninth chapter, don't you see? About the 70 weeks. Uh, he, he wants... I think he wants to know some something more about that detail. I think he wants. Uh, I think that's what he's praying about. I think that's what he's asking God about. All right, verse fifteen. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake. And said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this Daniel... Now here, verse 17 is a riddle if you, if you don't watch it. For how can, this, how can the servant of this my Lord... Talk with this, my Lord. Now, who, who is he talking about? What is, for how, here's what he's saying. For how can this servant, talking about himself, how can I, uh, how can this servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? How can I, a servant, your servant, talk to the Lord. See? One that's so much greater than he is. As for me, straightway there remain no... Verse 18. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. I think this person is the same as verse 4 and 6, the Lord. Then said he, Knowest thou therefore, wherefore I come unto thee? And how will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. Now, now the, the verse 20 now, the man speaking is the angel that delivered the message. It's the same one that was hindered, the same one that was stopped. 
we're stopped in the atmosphere. Now, uh, what's important about this? Because a lot of people won't believe this. Uh, you'll find you, you'll find a lot of our people won't believe uh, that there's such a thing as angelic beings in the heavens, that there's such a thing as evil angels, good angel and evil angel. I like to got thrown out of the uh, uh, the church at Memphis on uh, uh, Brooks Road. Uh, up there one time, about, about the second time, first second second time I reckon I was ever up there. We're sitting back there in the back, you know. There's eating uh, lunch hour, and uh, there's four or five of us there, and, and one of the men up there that he was pretty conspicuous and things that didn't go exactly his way, I think. But anyway, he asked me a question about angels, and I proceeded to tell uh, I, I, what I thought about uh, about evil angels. I had quoted. Uh, uh, somebody had um, uh, quoted or made a reference to uh, uh, Romans 8 neither powers nor principalities and so on see alright now I said do you mean to tell me that a good angel would uh, that Paul's got to fear a good angel for taking his salvation or endangering his security uh, when Paul says neither life nor death now things come, the things present, and all of it. He says, "Not principalities, nor angels. See, that's the spirit beings. All right. Uh, so, uh, and I let it be known that I believed in such things, and that they uh, are still. And I believed in good angels as well. That they were angels that looked after uh, individuals and churches and so forth like that. I said, "That's they're ministering spirits." Well, uh, this man now, this angel, uh, <clears throat> he, he's going to return. He says, now, nah, I, I, I'm going to finish that fight. Well, now, that fight's going to be finished one day. In the book of Revelation, you, you, uh, you read about there was war in heaven. And, and you, you read about the dragon. That can take this with the tail of the, uh, the the serpent's tail could drag a great host of the stars, angelic beings with it. Now you're not getting angels out of out of heaven, the angels of God. But now, uh, but uh, but Satan is cast out in Revelation, and uh, and his angelic beings. And there's going to be a finale to that. Well, now this angel says he was ready to return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm going forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. Now, you've got a prince of Persia here. Uh, the, this prince, uh, in the first place, was the angelic being. You've got the angelic being as the garden of the actual prince of Persia, the king of Persia. Uh, of course, the uh, there's no this prince the literal human being the king uh, do you think he could uh, detain Michael the archangel why certainly not that's the reason why I believe this is a heavenly being spiritual being uh, just because I can't see one is no sign I don't believe in one if you had to believe everything you uh, that you couldn't see, you know, if you had to doubt it or deny it, and say, well, I don't know, I can't see it, well, then that's rationalism. But now he says, but lo, the prince of Greece shall come. 
Now that, that's, uh, uh, that's Mr. Alexander the Great coming back on the scene now. Uh, but I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Now see, uh, there was uh, two different princes here, the evil uh, evil angels and, and good angels in a, in a battle of war. And uh, Michael says that he, he's going to return and fight. Uh, uh, this that there is a continual fight. There's a continual warfare, not only uh, among uh, the uh, the man of God, as Paul describes in six and seven chapter Romans, but there's uh, angelic beings uh, are, are are doing battle, and the whole book of Revelation shows you the consummation of the battle of God and Satan. Christ and Antichrist. See? And uh, so, now, chapter 11 is expanded uh, commentary of chapter 8. The first, uh, the first portion of it. The uh, first part uh, of this chapter will deal with the, uh, the Medes and the Persians and then uh, Alexander the Great. Uh, the first uh, four verses deal in general. He says, also, chapter 11, also I in the first year of Darius, the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. And now will I show thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia. Now you see, this is in response to Daniel's prayer in chapter 10. The words, I'm going to show you what befall thy people. Alright? Uh, he says, uh, There shall stand up yet three kings in Persia. Well now you see, he, he had this vision in the third year of Cyrus. So there's going to be three kings after Cyrus, and then the fourth king, he's going to concentrate his uh, attention on that fourth king. Uh, <clears throat> there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. See? And a mighty king shall stand up and shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. Now, in these uh, three verses, the angel is interpreting his dream, vision to him, and he says that Persia, there'll be, uh, there'll be four kings Three kings will come, and then the fourth king. This fourth king is rich. He's strong. He had over two and a half million men, according to history. And he decided he'd go over into Greece. 
He had ships, biggest navy that had ever been compiled. And then he had a great army of men. And he went into Greece. And he was going to uh, conquer Greece. And uh, history tells us uh, how that he was defeated uh, at uh, the Battle of Marathon and Salamis. And, but anyway, it says, A mighty king shall stand up and shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken. All right, now that's Alexander the Great. See, verse 3 is the king that's going to intercept Xerxes. He's the king that's going to uh, defeat him, put him down. And when he shall stand up, uh, his kingdom shall be broken. Now that, you remember in chapter 8, it says that, uh, talking about this fourth kingdom, uh, uh, when he's strong, he'll be broken, and his kingdom divided into four parts. Alright, you have that same thing here. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken, and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven, and not to his posterity, not to his posterity, not to his children, not to his sons. Alexander had two sons. He had two wives, and he had one by each. And uh, 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 Alexander Jr., why well, he didn't get, to, he didn't receive any kingdom, and neither did. Uh, uh, I've forgotten the name of the other boy, but anyway, uh, he didn't receive the, uh, any part of the kingdom, any division. The kingdom went to his four generals, you remember. Uh, uh, and that was Cassander, who took Greece and Macedonia, and Lysimachus, that took Asia Minor, Seleucid took Syria, and Ptolemy took Egypt. That's how it was. his kingdom was divided. All right. For his kingdom, uh, nor according to his dominion, which he ruled. In other words, his kingdom, now it's going to be divided, and it's not going to be according to his dominion. In other words, it won't be as strong as he had. For his kingdom shall be plucked up, even for others besides those. Even those four. It'll be... Uh, it, it'll be uh, uh, divided further yet. Now, beginning at verse 5, you have uh, the story, uh, a complete, a pretty detailed account of the wars between Egypt and Syria. Now, when the Grecian Empire was divided, the world was still ruled by fragments of the Grecian Empire. In other words, by Grecian kings. Uh, every one of them was a Greek. The head of the of Egypt was a, he wasn't an Egyptian. He was a Greek. The head of Syria was not a Syrian but a Greek. Uh, Asia Minor was a Greek. Greece, Macedonia was a Greek king. So we had four great kings all over the earth. Now then, the southern kingdom, when Ptolemy received it, was much stronger than these other divisions. After it was divided. And for the first years in, the, in this kingdom, the southern kingdom, or Egypt, was the stronger. 
the and e, and Syria was the only other king that uh, comes into view in in the book of Daniel. These other two kingdoms they didn't affect Palestine. See, the only reason why we have any history at all about these Gentile nations and these kings and their battles is to show what they did to the land of Palestine and how God's people, how the Jew was affected. Uh, that's the only time that a Gentile nation has ever has any uh, given any uh, attention whatsoever. It's because of their uh, hatred and their opposition uh, to Palestine or to the Jewish people. So, and the king of the south, see now that's Egypt, shall be strong. And one of his princes, uh, and he shall be strong above him, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. There you have a succession. You have one man in there that told up. Now, it covers a lot of history in just words. All it's doing uh, is there's a purpose in there. He's not trying to give the history of it, you see. But uh, the purpose is to show uh, uh, how Palestine and how God's uh, the people, the Jews, and the city of Jerusalem fares at the hands of these men. And in the end of years, they shall join themselves together. For the king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. Well, now that's Bernice. Uh, what it, what's happened, there's trouble. They're trying to solve their differences. Well, the, uh, there's a king of Egypt. His daughter, uh, he wants to send her to uh, Syria uh, to marry the Syrian king. And history tells us they did. The purpose of that was this, the Syrian king had his wife put to death and married this girl. And, and uh, they were doing that uh, in order to get uh, control. Uh, the this Egyptian king wanted uh, to, to become come out victory in this. Well, the Syrian thought he had uh, tricked the Egyptian king. So uh, they... uh, Bernice married this uh, the Syrian king alright but she shall not retain the power of the honor well uh, in in the end why she got killed neither shall he stand nor his arm but she shall be given up and they that brought her and he that begat her and he that strengthened her in these times now, well, that's the uh, judgment came upon them. But out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army, and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal against them and shall prevail. Now, this is actually her brother. Uh, and shall also carry captives into Egypt. See, now, he prevails against Syria. Uh, this is Seleucid, the king of the north, and he takes his spoils and he returns to Egypt. And shall also carry captives into Egypt, their gods, with their princes, and with their precious vessels of silver and gold, and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. In other words, he'd outrule, outlive, and outreign the king of the north. Uh, so the king of the south shall come into his kingdom 
and shall return into his own land. But his sons, that is, this king's descendants now, see, shall be stirred up, and shall assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overflow, and pass through, then shall he return, and be stirred up even to his fortress. And the king of the south shall be moved with choler, and shall come forth, and fight with him, even with the king of the north, and he will set forth a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. And when he hath taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands, but he shall not be strengthened by it. Now you see, he he, he gets uh, uh, pretty, pretty sassy. For the king of the north shall return, and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former. That is the first time he tried to make war. And, and that shall certainly come, uh, shall certainly come after certain years, with a great army and with much riches. And in those times there shall many stand up against the king of the south. Also the robbers of the people, they like to get in them graves down there. You see, they like that gold and all that treasure that was buried within the Egyptian king. And they shall, shall exalt himself to establish the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and cast up a mount and take the most fenced cities, and the arms of the south shall not withstand. Neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength to withstand. But he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will, and none shall stand before him. And he shall stand in the glorious land, which by his hand shall be consumed. Now you see, he's getting over against Jerusalem, Palestine, you see. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom, and upright ones with him. Thus shall he do. And he shall give him the daughter of women. And a lot of people think that this is Cleopatra. Now, these are the two kings now still. Uh, they're, they're still uh, uh, finagling one another. But she shall not stand on his side, neither be for him. Now, what happened? Uh, Cleopatra, see, was uh, the, the king. She was the daughter of the king of the north. Well, she was given to the king of the south for wife, Egypt. She took uh, and... Uh, but it was a frame-up. She was to marry this king, according to history, you see, and then when they got into battle, she was to to be the informer as to their strength and where and so on. Uh, well, that's history. Well, that's what the the movie uh, made on that thing about her, you know, about, uh, and so on. But history tells about this uh, plot uh, by which she was to uh, help her daddy out, see. But instead, when the time came uh, for her to be true to her father, she was the wife of the king, so she stood true to the, her husband instead of her daddy. And, uh, that's, and after this shall he turn his face unto the isles, and shall take many. But a prince for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease without his own reproach 
he shall cause it to turn upon him. Then he shall turn his face toward the fort of his own land. But he shall stumble and fall and not be found. Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within few days he shall be destroyed neither in anger nor in battle. Now, this last two verses describe the rise of Antiochus Epiphanes. And it tells about that his days will, that he'll be destroyed and it won't be long, it won't last long. Now, verse 21 uh, begins the uh, uh, detailed description now of Antiochus Epiphanes, and he is the uh, he's the little horn of chapter 8. We've already noticed that this little horn in chapter 8 comes up out of one of the kingdoms into which uh, Alexander's kingdom had been divided. So now then here he comes up as the king. And in his state shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom. But he shall come in peaceably and obtain that obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Now when you, when you read this about Antiochus Epiphanes, a literal king of Syria, you just keep in mind at the same time about that beast, the little horn of chapter 7. The little horn of chapter 7 comes up out of the Roman Empire, uh, the, out of one of the divisions, see? And that man, when it comes up out of the Roman Empire, is going to be the one that comes up out of the sea uh, in Revelation 13. And he is the Antichrist. He's a man of sin. He sits in the temple of God. He's the one that commands uh, to be worshipped. And the false prophet uh, commands people to worship him. And he rules the world. Alright? So now, uh, just remember whatever said about Antiochus Epiphanes. Now this is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes and not about that beast, but you can see a picture right here. This is just a, a little preview of... Uh, of the beast, of the final Antichrist. Notice, he's a vile person. Uh, he shall uh, not give he shall, the kingdom, the power shall not, he, he, he'll not have the honor of it. He'll come in with flatteries and possess the kingdom. He's by trickery, craft, cunning. See? Uh, and, with the, and with the arms of a flood shall they be overflown from before him and shall be broken, yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds, even for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand 
for they shall forecast devices against him. Old Antiochus is going to outmaneuver him. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table. That's the conference table. That's where they're trying to get them to, to agree, see, to peace. But it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. That's the end of their kingdoms, these, the, uh, Egypt and Syria. Then shall he return into his land. Now he's coming back. See, he's, uh, he, he's got plenty of riches off of, he's defeated Egypt. He's coming back to Syria. Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant. And he shall do exploits and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south. But it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Now this is another expedition that he's making. For the ships of Chittim shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. He shall have intelligence with them. That shows that he's making a league with them. See, he's coming back into Palestine now. And there's going to be a group uh, that because he's been victorious in Egypt, see, uh, they're going to listen to him. And they're going to be subservient to the Assyrian king. All right? The arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abominations that make it desolate. And such as do wickedly, that's the Jews that side with him now, see, against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, you see, this uh, uh, Antiochus of Mephites comes into Jerusalem and he's, uh, he's making an agreement. He's making a covenant with the Jews. And these Jews, oh, they're doing wickedly. Uh, but he's, they've been flattered. They've been offered positions. They've been offered, uh, uh, you see, they, uh, just before Christ was born, you know, they, uh, Herod uh, was having trouble buying his rulership, you know, and, and, and the way, that's the way Pilate and all the other boys got it. And then the high priest in those days, they got it because they bought it, see, from the, uh, from the kings. Of course, in their day, it was Rome. But, but now this is the Syrian doing this. And, uh, but now he says there are some that know God. And, uh, and they do exploits. Now these that know God, uh, I think is having reference to uh, the, the family of the Maccabees. Ju uh, Matthias Maccabee had four sons. And uh, they were all great generals. And Matthias was. And... Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, now under them, 
the wars the Maccabean period, uh, their wars against Syria. And that's what this is introduced in here for us, to show how they come in the picture. And, uh, and they that understand, that's the ones that, uh, the teachers, instructors in Israel, uh, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet, they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil, many days. Now, all that says about them, uh, for, history tells us for approximately 40 years, a little better, the, uh, uh, the Maccabees ruled uh, in uh, peace. Uh, they, after capturing, uh, after winning uh, their rights over Antiochus Epiphanes. But now, see, this is a man that comes in that abomination. History tells us about him uh, offering a, a swine, you know, up on the altar and, and putting the juice, the urine all over the uh, sprinkling the holy things. Well, now, they had the, the clinic, cleansing the temple by the Maccabees uh, was. Uh, what is now, you know, the Feast of Anuka, the, uh, their Christmas. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, and by captivity, and by spoil many days. In other words, it will take them many days to do it. It will be after many days. Uh, now when they shall fall, they shall be helped with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. You see that flattery business, that promising power to people and and uh, payoff, that, that can uh, that can turn people you wouldn't suspect in in, in positions of power. Well, we see that in the United States, we uh, in politics for anything. Uh, that money's out there. They they're ready. Apparently, any group, not uh, uh, I mean, all groups are affected by it. You see. All right now. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time appointed. Now you see we've done going through uh, these kingdoms in this history and yet there's still something to occur in the time of the end. Supported time, set time. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Now remember, uh, keep the final beast in mind, and you'll, uh, uh, you, you'll get a, a foreview, preview, uh, pre-description of the, of the gentleman. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. Straight is the only God he knows. 
and a God whom his fathers do not, shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Money will change a man, change a man's religion. That's what he's doing. He's worshiping a different God because of money and pleasantries, flattery and honor. Now that's a description of people doing that. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds. Now that means in the strongest place where you wouldn't expect not in some little remote little village out of the way uh, with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, Palestine, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. You see, God in the beginning told them that uh, Edom and uh, the Moabites and Ammonites would be a curse to the children of Israel forever because they didn't obey God in eliminating them from the land. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans, and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. There it is, mercy, see. They'll do what he says. Now this is, he's branching out now into new territory. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. That's trouble Antiochus Epiphanes. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Now that's a terrible description there. We've been... Now that's a description of Antiochus Epiphanes. Yet he's a beast. He's a little horn now, out of out of chapter eight of Daniel. Now the little horn in chapter seven is the real. McCoy, see, he's the real beast of the end time. But this little horn that does these things, you see, he's uh, he's certainly uh, uh, a good illustration of that beast. Now you see when Jesus said, now look at Matthew twenty four, fifteen, and when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. 
when you see it there. See, that's what that's what uh, Antiochus did. He came in, and boy, he just camped. He just uh, he made he made the temple his headquarters. See, his living and everything. No, and he wanted people to worship him. He set up there as a god. He had no regard for women. It says here. See, and uh, well, uh, the uh, the point there, I think, because what that has in in view is. Uh, uh, the birth. See, the Jewish women looked, uh, uh, they, they took honor in the fact that uh, they would give birth to the Messiah. See. Now, this, that's what this man uh, has pointed out, one of his sayings, that he had no regard for women, see. Uh, no consideration, whatever. And, uh, and in Jesus' description of the day uh, of uh, this period, when you see that, you know, he says the flea in the mountains, you see. So, of course, uh, just as this was a reality of Antiochus Epiphanes, and just so did the destruction of Jerusalem and all of the things that attended it, its siege uh, by Titus and all of the horrors uh, that the people, the Jewish people went through, having been. Uh, where they couldn't get out and get anything to eat. And history says that they even ate their children. And, and now, uh, that, that was a horrible uh, period. And yet, that was only just a picture of what's going to happen uh, in the book of Revelation when God have, uh, pours out the judgment, see, uh, in during the tribulation period. Now, chapter 12 is not a break in it. See, it's still a... Chapter 12, it ought not to have been a chapter there. See? He shall come to his end, and none shall help him. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of, of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at the time thy people, at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And when you turn to, uh, to Revelation 13, you have the same... Uh, you, uh, you have a people over there, you know. Uh, these people that fall down and worship this image, this beast, why, uh, the scripture says, the ones that do so are ones whose names are not written in the book. Look at verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. All right, in uh, uh, so you've got uh, how any man can can read Daniel and then study Revelation and not see a parallel or the similarity or a further revelation. Uh, it, it's it, it's hard to, uh, it, it's hard for me to understand. Uh, unless a man's got some preconceived notion or 
our, our theory to uphold. What does that shall be delivered? What does that mean? That means their salvation. Salvation. That's right. Now, yeah, to pull that off. Uh, now, now, you see, Romans chapter 11, 26 says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, without change. It's all Israel, I mean, the election of God. Yeah, now, well, now, the, the, uh, there's two things here, see. Now, he's all Israel will be saved. That's Jews, yeah. That's, uh, uh, I, I think that's Jews. That's salvation. Uh, yeah, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer. Well, now, this is a personal return of Christ. The second return of Christ. And shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. See, he's talking about the Jews. All right, that's what Daniel said he would do. See, he would make an end of their transgressions. See? Uh, and now then, uh, for this is my covenant unto them. When I shall take away their sin. Now he's talking about the nation. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about the Jews. He says now, as concerning the gospel, he says those Jews are an enemy. He says they're an enemy to you. They'll fight you. And they'll do it. And they've been doing it ever since. And they'll continue to do it. You go to... Uh, Palestine and try to uh, try to get them to uh, let you preach the gospel of Christ to them. Well, they just passed a law not long ago. Uh, anybody that made any kind of overt action of help or charity or any way, any giving anything in return for getting the Jew to come to their religion, well, boy, you're ousted immediately and they're put to death. That's a criminal offense. So uh, uh, that's uh, uh, that's what I think, uh, and and the people see, and at that time thy thy people shall be delivered. See, this is still Jewish. Uh, is that the elect among the Jews? Right, right. Yes, yeah. right. It will, and everyone. Why? Because their names are written in this book. See, among the Jews. Right, that's it, and it's all of them. See, it won't be all the Jews will be saved. Oh no. It's all of the Jews whose name among the Jews. And you see this, uh, the ninth chapter, that uh, this foundational vision is uh, are determined upon thy people and thy city. Now you can't get Gentiles into that. And, and here it is, he says, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. There shall be a time of trouble, such as never was. Since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many, look at verse 2, 
And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That's the end of the vision. All right, now let's see what it means. Let's see the context. You've got history. You've got a knowledge that this thing is to be unto the end. All right, what have you got? You've got resurrection here. You've got a re and many of them that sleep. He didn't say all, but he said many. Well, <clears throat> I think it means all, but, uh, but there's many shall rise. Why? First place, because many in comparison to the few that are dead. See, I mean, the many that are dead in comparison to the few that are living. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says... And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also.